I'll be coming for her. And I'll be coming for you, too. Sure you will. And I'll be waiting. You are about to enter a world unlike any you've ever seen before. Where rock and roll is king. The only law is a loaded gun. Where the beautiful... See the show, it's really good. The brutal. I want Tom Cody. And the brave all meet. From now on, it's for real. In VHS Pictures presents Michael Paré, Diane Lane, Rick Moranis, and Amy Madigan in a Walter Hill film, Streets of Fire. Oh. Reese, peanut buttery. Let's Reese. Give him, give him. I refuse. There I is. I've never met, met a man named Reese or a lady named Reese for that matter. They're all, they're all in Wales. I refuse to give them any peanut butter cups or. Hard one named Reese is from Wales. And the cups or pieces don't belong around. Welcome to comedians and cars getting their shit pushed in. Oh well, that's a show I like to watch. What about uh comedians wandering too far from the venue, getting the shit bit out of them and their pockets ran? I'd watch that. <laughs> I'd love to see Jerry Seinfeld get the shit beat out of them and robbed. I don't I don't think that's like in, in Jerry Seinfeld's cards anymore. You know what I mean? I bet when he goes to the, the, the comedy club, there's at least one big BBC security guard with him. You think so? I, I mean, the man's a billionaire. It's got, he's got to have at least one security guard, right? Probably, but it's like the Molly Cruz security guard type thing where he, the security guard mostly just picks out underage girls from the audience for Jerry Seinfeld to date. <laughs> That's ridiculous. Jerry Seinfeld married an underage woman. He doesn't need to date them. <laughs> Did he actually marry her? Yeah, he married the, he's married to the girl that was, was in there, like right? 16. And, yeah. Um, I, I don't know if it's that bad, but yeah, I think close no, enough. Yeah, she was like sixteen. It was real sixteen? Oh, uh, I thought it was. I thought it was technically of age. I think it was in the state she was from. It was real. Uh, David Bowie slash every guy in Led Zeppelin slash everyone uh, in the sixties. <laughs> yeah, one of those situations. Well, real Jerry Lee Lewis, except for you know not his cousin. Who knows? 
lot of Seinfelds. <laughs> a lot of Seinfelds. Actually, maybe there's not. I can't think of um, any other famous Seinfelds. Uh, Woody Allen. No, he's just also Jewish. What do you mean? Oh, he also married uh, his teenage daughter. Daughter. Adopted daughter. <laughs> so I don't know if that's... I don't know how that makes me anti-Semitic. Because Woody Allen's also Jewish, like Jerry Seinfeld. <laughs> oh, I was just going with the marrying an underage girl. I also referenced Jerry Lee Lewis, so I don't believe is, is Jewish. His first name is Jerry. <laughs> you like Jerry Seinfeld. Yeah. There's the connection. Now I'm just the anti-Semite. I don't know. <laughs> Tons of people. There's a bunch of them out there. <laughs> All over the internet. Yeah. A bunch of crazy people on the internet talking crazy shit. All I know is the Jews did it. <laughs> yep. They sure did. Tired of this shit, man. I want to go to a house party that gets out of control. I want to go to a house party that stays in control and nope. ends at 1030. Out of control. I want someone to pull a gun. Several fights. There needs to be young God, girls. That's already too much for me. Throwing up and crying in the bathroom. That part's fine. There needs to be the wrong people doing the wrong cocktail of drugs. Everyone needs to be like falling down drunk. And then the heroin comes out and the party gets a little dark, you know? <laughs> <laughs> it already sounded dark. <laughs> It's a little dark there at the end. It's three in the morning. There's only about ten people left. And uh, what's that? Why are they heating up tinfoil? What's going on over there? It smells kind of like hot dogs. Hmm. Oh, streets of fire, fire, fire. Fire, fire. It's nineteen fifty eighty something. It's a rock and roll fable. A place out of time. Guys, a cool bike. You get laid all summer long. It's like the origin story of the Partridge family set in River City Rampage. I don't, I don't know anything about the Partridge family except for Danny Bonaduce became a drug addict or something. There's a bus involved and they play music. That's the extent of what I know. Of it. They're like, hey, hey, where are the Partridges? People say we Partridge around, right? That's, That's the thing. That's their shit. Take the last train to Partridge and you can meet me at Partridge. Because Partridge, Partridge, Partridge. In the partridge, 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 partridge. Hey, hey. Right? Sure. Um, Streets of also, Fire. Also, it occurred to me that this is a better dun- uh, uh, Double Dragon movie than the Double Dragon movie. The Double Dragon movie is good. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Ugly, homely. Yeah, and that guy turns into like a shit monster, right? Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, that the Double Dragon movie is good. I don't know. It's, 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 <laughs> it's a, a seminal cyberpunk movie. It is. It's not like a very accurate depiction of the game, I don't think, but it's pretty good, like, 90s stupid-ass cyberpunk video game bullshit. I feel like you haven't seen it since we were kids. I haven't, but <laughs> I can see it vividly in my mind. What could be better than the Double Dragon? Maybe Judge Dredd. Oh, and uh, starring Diane Lane, by the way. Diane Lane's in everything. She's great and all. She's Judge Hershey. Hershey kisses is what I want. I want some of her Hershey's kisses. My favorite part of Judge Dredd is the the cannibal mutants. <laughs> They're pretty cool. <laughs> as far as you know, Hills of Eyes cannibal mutants go. Well, like the practical effects and the makeup effects. Those are good looking monsters. It's interesting they even put them in the movie. If you think about it, the um, Sylvester Stallone's Judge Dredd has even more comic book relevance than the Carl Urban Dredd. 
Yeah, it's just that the car takes its its seriously. material seriously, and the and Stallone doesn't. Yeah, but the 2000 AD doesn't even take its source material seriously. I guess not the same way, though. Yeah, I know it's more satire instead of um, yeah, camp. Yeah, accidental camp. <laughs> Rico. <laughs> <laughs> Remember that his robot friend? That was fucking another nice ass piece of fucking practical effects. Oh, robot. yeah, the little robot puppet. Yeah, he wasn't little. He's giant. He's like fucking Jurassic Park robot. That's true. Yeah. Mercenary is hired to rescue his ex girlfriend, a singer who's been kidnapped by a motorcycle gang. Um, this movie did, in fact, inspire Fatal Fury, Streets of Rage, Double Dragon, all sorts of shit. Hell yeah, dude. Yep. Uh, it's directed by Walter Hill, who also did Hard Times, 48 Hours, Another 48 Hours, Brewster's Millions, and one of the greatest low-budget films in the 70, of the 70s, The Warriors. Oh, man, he's got a bunch of hits. Yeah, he falls off pretty quick, though, after, like, another 48 hours. <laughs> you like Brewster's Millions? I think that's before another 48 hours. Oh, I think you're right, technically. Yeah, it's like 48 hours, Bruce's Millions, another 48 hours, and then some bullshit. I don't even remember what else it is. Important thing, though, is The Warriors. The Warriors is a really good movie. Uh, There's been a million uh, movies and comic books and video games that basically have just taken on the the Warriors idea. Or the aesthetic, at least. Isn't it also just based off of some Greek or Roman story anyways? I mean, technically, the... uh, um, Anubis? That's not right. The, uh, Argonauts. The, it's Arg- not the Argonauts. It's Jason the 40,000 Greek soldiers get stuck in per or mercenaries get stuck in Persia after uh, the prince that hired them dies. Yeah, that's what it is. The Xenophon? I, I think it's the Xenophon. The Xenophon. Yeah, there you go. Simple story. It's cool, though, because it's um, exploitation shit in the 70s, and 70s gangs were pretty fucking funny, as dangerous as they were. They all had, like, costumes and shit. Not to the extreme <laughs> that the Warriors did, but in real life, they kind of did still, too. Very theme-oriented gangs, but they're still killing people and shit. That's badass. That's, uh, <laughs> I guess the 90s was kind of like that, too, back when people would bang colors and kill each other. <laughs> A little bit. It's not yeah. quite as fun. Yeah, not as, like, the themes weren't as grand. Yeah, you know, it wasn't, it's kind of like wrestling. They had a really, in the 80s and early 90s, like, really gimmicky. And then it's kind of just like, I'm a dude with a name and I'm wearing pants. Well, no, like the um, 70s gang culture was still based quite a bit off like biker gangs. So they all had like patches and shit. Nowadays in LA, it's like everyone wears like fucking repurposed football and baseball and basketball hats. And you're supposed to be able to determine what fucking gang they're from that. It's like, hopefully you don't fucking actually like the Houston Astros, boy, because you get fucking shit kicked out of you. <laughs> no one likes the Houston Astros. Isn't that what Hoover, Hoover, the Hoover Street Crips is? Isn't they wear, they wear something. I don't Houston. fucking know the the the, the goddamn um, hat code uh, hat code anymore, and I think it's stupid to begin with. Yeah, it's pretty weird. <laughs> you you live in weird. California. Why the fuck are you wearing Houston Astros cap? That's an LA thing for sure. I don't think they bang colors or anything like that in the Bay Area anymore. That'd be pretty weird. Everyone bangs blocks, which I guess is pretty weird too, but whatever. <laughs> it makes more sense. At least it's like where you live, you know? Territorial control, simple shit. 
According to Hill, the film's origins came out of a desire to make what he thought was the perfect film when he was a teenager and put in all the things that he thought were uh, great then and which I still have a great affection for now. Custom cars, kissing in the rain, neon, trains in the night, high-speed pursuit, rumbles, rock stars, motorcycles, uh, jokes in tough situations, leather jackets, and questions of honor. It's all pretty legit shit. I'm down with it. I agree. All that stuff's pretty cool. This movie's pretty cool, actually. I haven't said that yet. I think this is pretty cool. <laughs> um, it's a fun movie. Yeah, I don't love... Um, uh, I, I honestly, like, if Willem Dafoe didn't, uh, wasn't as compelling as a villain, I don't think it works as well. But he just oh, really? I like thought he was actually pretty weak in the movie, to be honest, because he doesn't have enough screen time or any real motivation. I just think, like him as he vamps the camera constantly. Yeah, a little young Willem. Yeah, and the the um, final fight scene fucking sucks. It should have been oh, a shootout yeah. since it was just a west. This movie is just a western, anyways. <laughs> um, he once said in an interview that he considered all of his films as a director to be westerns. Uh, yep, sure. Even Brewster's Millions. Uh, he was originally going to direct Alien, but then he didn't. Another man did, Ridley Scott, who went on to uh, ruin his own creation. Some might say. <laughs> I mean, that's the uh, fate all of us await. Yeah. us all, hopefully. I mean, George Lucas did it. Um, David Lynch might, is still going to get a chance at it. How's that? Isn't he doing more Twin Peaks? I don't know for sure. Probably not. He's getting pretty old. Wasn't there some rumor there was like a new project and it was it was called Wisteria or some shit? That was Twin Peaks to return. It's working. No, I want to say that was something I read like two or three weeks ago. I'll have to find an article. Oh, no. Well, Wisteria Lane was the working title for Twin Peaks to return. Um, But there's always rumors that he's making more Twin Peaks since Twin Peaks to return. But there's, I mean, who knows? Who knows what Dave Lynch is doing? Sculpting and shit. Actually, kind of doubt it. I don't think he's going to do any more Twin Peaks. We'll see, though. I won't be surprised. Well, maybe I won't be that surprised. It was already kind of surprising that he did the return. Uh, it was written by Hill and Larry Gross. Uh, Gross, uh, all he's known for is um, 48 Hours. <laughs> he <laughs> wrote 48 Hours with Hill and this, and that's about it. Uh, music was done by a man named Ry Cooter. <laughs> <laughs> what was his name again? Uh, Ry Cooter. <laughs> Um, I was originally just going to include that because his name was Raikuda. <laughs> but apparently he's actually a um, very famous, accomplished guitarist and slide guitarist who played on a bunch of albums like the Rolling Stones, Eric Clapton, John Lee Hooker, and other, I don't know, some other famous racists. <laughs> yeah, John Lee Hooker, the famous racist. Eric Clapton is who I'm talking about. <laughs> Famously, can't close the window either. Ooh. Oh, that wasn't his fault. He was all high, hopped up on cocaine. Sounds like it's his fault then. Damn. Ooh. Keep Eric Clapton out of England and the rest of the world. He should fall out of 53rd story window. Fucking hate Eric Clapton. His music is boring as shit, too. Have you ever tried to listen to Cream? Uh, no, not, yeah, I mean, yeah, but not. Like, all right, I got Let's. I've heard a lot about Disraeli gears or whatever. Let's put this shit on. This fucking sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I like when the Mars Volta did it better, and I don't even like the Mars Volta. <laughs> Who stars in this film? This little joint here, Michael Pare. He's the main character. Been acting since back in the 80s. Done nothing notable to me except for this film. At some point in the mid-2000s, he started appearing, appearing in every Uvi Ball movie. 
You will make fun of Ubal. Ubal is best. Yeah, like saw Postal and Blood Rain, all those shitty movie, uh, video game movies that Ball made. Uh, he's in them apparently. Is, is Ball still doing shit? Probably. I'm, I'm not gonna look it up. I mean, he's one of those guys that could turn a profit off of like a five million dollar movie. So I'm sure he, he's still doing work somewhere, commercials or something. I always felt like his movies were one giant tax scam or like money laundering scheme. Well, they kind of were. They were in the same way that a lot of Hollywood movies are, <laughs> to be honest. He was also in uh, one of the mediocre John Carpenter movies, Village of the Damned. And um, shockingly, he's in a David Lynch movie. He appears in the Inland Empire. <laughs> hmm. uh, then Diane Lane. I love her. Um, I'm not familiar. It's one of those weird things where um, Fabulous Stains, now presented Fabulous Stains, where she's like 15 in the movie, and she's like an early sexually formative presence in the film when I, it was age-appropriate for me. We've talked about this before. She's way older than you. I think it's cool. <laughs> yeah, but it's not like, but I, going back now to watch the Stains when she's 15, then it's kind of weird, you know what I mean? Uh, she rules. She's only like 19 in this movie. So, you know, whatever. She's the law. <laughs> Gross. Uh, Rick Moranis is in it. Um, Who doesn't love Rick Moranis? I don't think he's very good in this movie. Yeah, everybody's kind of wooden. The, the dialogue's a little uh, clunky. Yeah, he said he um, hated making it because he wasn't able to improvise, which is like I don't think you're you improvise on most movies, man. But this was like the first movie he made. Feed me, Seymour. I mean, I don't, he's Rick Moranis. I believe he gets to do what he wants. No, not at this point. He's all he's done at this point is be on SCTV. No one knows who the fuck he is. I, I feel like SCTV should be enough. That's Canadian shit. No one knows about Canada. Canadian shit. Boo. Boo Canada. Michael Pare. Oh, it was said that he was annoying. Rick Moranis was annoying on set. Uh, Willem Dafoe was in it too. He's got a big dick. He's a Green Goblin. Um, Antichrist. Yeah. No, he is Christ. And to Last Temptation of Christ, uh, he's in Wes Anderson movies. Uh, you know, good shit. He's a good actor. Everybody loves him. Uh, Deborah von Valkenberg is in this film. She plays our main character's sister. She was also Mercy and Warriors, the female lead babe. Uh, went on to do lots of TV work. I think she's uh, absolutely gorgeous. Looks a bit like a friend of mine. I love it. She's got like a crooked mouth. Beautiful. I love a crooked mouse. Yeah, it's cute. She smiles. It's crooked. Amy Madigan, she plays McCoy. It was originally going to be a new dude named um, Menendez, but um, <laughs> she tried out, and they're like, "Never mind, we'll rewrite it as a woman." And so they did. She's famously in um, a bunch of stuff. She's in Carnival, but I don't remember. Field of Dreams, I don't remember. Uncle Buck, I don't remember. She's in oh, that Penny Dreadful yeah. show, I guess, but I've never watched. I that never show. saw Penny Dreadful. She's going to be in a movie called Antlers that looks dope as hell, so I guess I'll check her out in that. Um, it's about a Wendigo. See, I think it is about a Wendigo. It's, the t trailers are kind of just vague, spooky horror shit, but it seems to be a Wendigo. Special mentions, uh, Bill Paxton's in it. Ed oh, Paxman. Ed Bagley Jr., Lee Ving, who we talked about in Clue. He's the lead singer of Fear. Uh, Elizabeth Daly, E.G. Daly, Tommy Pickles, we already saw her in Valley Girl, Better mm -hmm. Off Dead. She's going to be um, the love interest in an upcoming film we watched this summer. It's going to be a big deal, one of the greatest films of all time. 
And finally, the most important uh, small part in the film. I don't even know if he has a line of dialogue, but Robert Townsman. Townsman. <laughs> like, Meteor Man. Meteor Man. Meteor. I, I mean, maybe it's more respectful to mention that he did Hollywood Shuffle and uh, The Parenthood, too. But he, wasn't he friends with Bill Cosby? Yeah. <laughs> he but probably I mean, did something stupid. Meteor Man rules. So. <laughs> Speaking yeah, of uh, gangs Hollywood and colors. Did, Hollywood Shuffle is a good movie, too. And more like he wrote and... Like that's his movie, you know. But fucking Meteor Man, that was real shit. Come around in the nineties, that's where you learned the real. Yeah, the <laughs> fucking golden was Golden Gods, right? Yeah, that's where you learned about banging color. <laughs> <laughs> uh, early incarnation of the screenplay was offered to Paul McCartney, whom the producers had learned was interested in playing a role in dramatic motion picture, but he turned it down. Who do you want? Who do they want him for? The script was they would have been way different. No, Paul McCartney would have been Diane Lane's character getting kidnapped or whatever. <laughs> it would have been a lady getting. It would a lady rescue him. I'm into that. No, well, that's boring. It would have just been Paul McCartney being like, "Oh heavens, oh almost night." Oh look at me! Hey, there's a bit of bopping on the TV over here. I want to get a little kitty kitty up heaven. I'd never call him Sir Paul McCartney if I was around him. I'd be like, I wouldn't, why would you call anybody Sir? I don't know like, English. Why do, I don't fucking recognize knighthood. <laughs> like, get out of here, you little bitch. The only person I recognize any is the Dame Judy Dench, and that's it. Uh, with her, I'd be like, get out of here, you little bitch. <laughs> you old bitch. I'd probably get her, her and Paul McCartney confused because they both look like old women. Oh... Hey, listen, I'm gonna look like a little old lady. He does. He well, you still love me when I'm 85 and look like a moon? <laughs> no. <laughs> I cannot. <laughs> I can't stand to look at him. He looks like a fucking Japanese water ghost. He's <laughs> 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 like, is that. <laughs> so oh, that's that... what happens to all very vegetarians <laughs> when they turn 80. <laughs> I'm Sadako from The Ring, Jesus. The film is described in its opening credits and posters as a rock and roll fable. Fabuleux. Film style came from a song by Bruce Springsteen uh, from his album Darkness on the Edge of, T- of Town. That drunk? Hell yeah, man. He swindled the Jeep company. <laughs> Did you uh, hear he got arrested for a DUI when he, he blew like a point zero two or something? No, I didn't read into it. I just saw he did the lame-ass Jeep commercial, and then uh, they had to pull the commercial because he uh, apparently was arrested for DUI, and I was like, oh, what a double cross. <laughs> Except for it's more like he's just an old man who's like, whatever, I'll get money wherever. I don't believe in anything I'm persuasive. <laughs> I was born to run. Originally, plans were made for the song to be featured on the film's soundtrack to be sung by Ellen Aim at the end of the film. When Springsteen was told that the song would be re-recorded by other vocalists, he withdrew permission for the song to be used. Oh, fucking go and kick and fuck yourself. Uh, Jim Steinman uh, was then brought in to write the opening and closing songs, and Streets of Fire was replaced by Tonight is What It Means to Be Young. Uh, but those fucking opening and ending songs are fucking... That, this really is Streets of Fire. Goddamn. <laughs> I feel it in my loins. Yeah, I was like, damn, when that first song kicks in the beginning of the movie, I was like, now this, this is what this podcast is all about. This is cinema right here. This is entertainment. <laughs> Martin Scorsese, I understand what you're talking about. This is illuminating my life. 
But then there's a lot of dumb shit in the movie too. I do like when they um, basically carjack the Sorrells, the uh, black group, and then they go on um, the police killing spree with no political agenda. Yeah, basically with four innocent black dudes in the yeah, it's, yeah, it's hostages. Pretty dangerous. Don't <laughs> worry, we're not gonna hurt you. We're just gonna put your lives at risk at every fucking turn. Yeah. Well, I mean, hey, don't you'll get a record contract in the end, sort of. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's just, Rick Moranis is going to take advantage of you. Hey, yeah. Huh? <laughs> to use like the modern, a modern equivalent, it would be this is how the media would like to depict last summer's Black Lives Matter movement. Say anarchists, outside agitators with no political agenda. You get it? Nope. You get it? Nope. You know, Ajax. Ajax? Ajax, yeah, the strongest Greek. Now, you know, there's that. <laughs> It gets posted every once in a while. It's from like Tumblr, and it's like um, they're like, "Oh, Ajax was the strongest," and that's why the tagline is "He's hard on." It's hard on Greece. Well, no, Ajax was Greek, so it would be he's it would be like hard. He's on a hard Trojan. ass Greek. No, it would be like hard on Trojans for to be <laughs> accurate to what you're saying. That's true. Fucking people on the internet. I'm angry like everyone on the internet today. Everything I've seen has pissed me off. It's the first time I've gone on Twitter in like a week. And I just, oh, fucking Jesus Christ, everyone's so fucking dumb. What, what specific messed you up on Twitter today? Just everyone talking to, oh, that's what you get for being voting red, Texas. I hope you all die. <laughs> <laughs> and um, just Zoomers are accidentally creating Puritanism again by being by being so entrenched in like a decade old sexual repression discourse from tumblr and all sorts of shit I, our culture is just dying and martin scorsese stepped in it again by accurately decrying the problems with the mainstream movie industry <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> I wonder what what did old marty say i'm talking about how um work. everything basically the uh, studios and the algorithm algorithm is basically drip feeding people content preventing people from experiencing new types of film new types of art and blah blah blah. and then of course everyone's like well you were in shark tale and you don't even like ant-man so shut up old man <laughs> it's well no he accurately assessed i mean he, they're right about shark tale <laughs> but he's right about everything else yeah it's it's like no he's not wrong like pay attention to what he's saying it's like last time too where he, like he didn't specifically mention like Marvel movies are bad losers, but everyone's just like, shut up. Why would you say that about Marvel? He didn't mention any of that shit. It equates to Disney's uh, output, but I mean, that's your baby brain projecting that shit on that, you dumb baby brains. <laughs> you just really like Shark Tales. That's what I'm getting over <laughs> No, I like You love those fucking Will Smith fish lips. I like Raging Bull. I want to be a Raging Bull. I feel like a Raging Bull today. Martin Scorsese did not do any voices in that one. He might have um, done some voice work. Usually, you can hear Martin Scorsese as an overdub, like on the phone or random things in most of his movies. Or in Taxi Driver, he's a passenger as a young Martin Scorsese. And you're like, you know, he was pretty handsome when he was young. Too bad he's about five feet tall. <laughs> I never stopped anybody. <laughs> Tom Cruise gets plenty of work. Yeah, but basically today I got in here and then I was like, God damn it. I wish I could go back to the time of Streets of Fire when a man could just punch a woman. <laughs> but like um obviously diane, diane lane's character is um a strong enough character that she's gonna fight back and argue when he goes to you know run off and save the day or whatever and like how do we get out of that situation without writing any more dialogue well let's have him knock her out <laughs> yeah that's puncher yeah that's fine 
Yeah, whatever he's doing in Arnold or uh, fucking uh, John Wayne impersonation the whole movie anyway. <laughs> he just may as well punch some dames. <laughs> I don't know if you're ever supposed to close uh, fish punch a dam. I think the most John Wayne ever did on screen was, a, was an open fist slap. Just, you know, get him under control. I don't know. I bet John Wayne's punched a few dames. Let's check it out. John Wayne punch hitting here. dames. First result is Maureen O'Hara, Wikipedia. Hmm. Well, that means. Yeah. Uh, because she made films with John Wayne, and then also it's highlighting um, Hunchback of Notre Dame, which is spelled like Dame. So, ah, of course, yeah. If you'll recall, uh, Google doesn't work very well anymore. Like it kind of doesn't serve its purpose anymore because it's all curated by whoever pays the most money. Similar to like what Martin Scorsese was talking about, where um, it's becoming increasingly difficult to access the information. Or access new information on the internet. It's all just being, you know, dripped to you, force-fed to you. You have to really struggle to to do what you want. There's no free society anymore. You can't just fucking steal some guy's fucking battle bus and kill the cops. <laughs> well, I mean, first again, it wasn't a battle bus. This is, this is a tour bus for for a poor black doo-wop group. Um, just on the way way to the gig, you know, trying to make some scratch, and uh, and they were held hostage and uh, and sent on a merry chase involving the potential murder of cops. That a pretty good sound. Like if I um, it, I'd be like, hey, hey, Chuck, it's your cousin Marvin. <laughs> you know you that know, sound, you know, Marvin Barry. You <laughs> sound you're looking for. Listen to this. Well, uh, you know, it's a it's a funky new sound in 1958 or something. Well, no, I mean even the 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 way their songs were performed, it was a mix of like Prince and doo Yeah, like, it was really that's pretty. Cool. That's pretty interesting. I understand it's like a western and like it's uh, John Wayne's blown back into town to save the day and whatever. But why is he dressed like a Depression era hobo? It's it's this weird mix of eras. It's uh it's the Batman the animated series. What if the, what if the World's Fair from 1920 took over? Yeah, but why is like the gang uh, cool bikers and he's dressed like fucking hobo? Because he's a hobo now. He's riding the rails. <laughs> he's got suspenders, but no sleeves. <laughs> I'm like, what part of hobo do you understand? <laughs> I don't like the way they styled him. Everything else about him, though, is exactly how I imagined me to be. <laughs> it's walking around. I'm unable like, to grow a proper beard. <laughs> well, yeah, not that. I can grow. Well, the manliest of beers, but otherwise, like, yeah, I'm a, a stoic cowboy just wandering through this uh, writing wrongs and saving <laughs> dames and oh, yeah, man, befriending lesbians. <laughs> I got quite a few lesbian friends, but she wasn't, a, she had a, a boyfriend at one point. I don't know, she, no, she, her, she didn't. She told him, You're not my type. That's no, it. no, at the end, she's talking about a dude that she used to date. Remember, nope, yep, they're walking through town. Before, um, before he punches <laughs> Diane Lane, and before that scene, he's she's talking about, oh, you really love her, don't you? He's like, yeah, I was in love once with this guy, but he treated me wrong. This is before I was a soldier, though, which I took the name of before I was a lesbian. I don't know about all that. I just figured they're like, well, it's the '80s. We can't explicitly say she's a lesbian, so we'll just have her mention that this guy's not her type, even though he's clearly everyone's type. <laughs> <laughs> Even Bill Paxton and Rick Moranis wanted to give him kisses. Well, well Paxton for sure. Moranis, I'm 50-50. I like when at the end when Bill Paxton runs away, but then he comes back with the whole town. Very Western. 
You think he wussed out, but it turns out he's getting reinforcements. Aside from the cops that they kill when they go on that spree, there's just uh, only two cops for that whole neighborhood, huh? Well, I don't think they kill those cops on that spree, technically, right? Don't they just they they shoot blow their, up their motorcycles and shit? Yeah, they shoot their grenade bullets at the cars. Yeah, that div- I was just talking about how that there's just those two cops for their neighborhood. Though. <laughs> well, there's more cops at the end, though, so they, they brought them over somewhere. Yeah. I, for a second, I thought they, they deputized Paxton. Well, they just it's just those two guys that keep responding to everything. <laughs> Hero cops. I was like, damn, this is like fucking, fucking memories of a murder. There's just two cops in the entire village. Yeah, so this is what this podcast is all about. We got 80s handsome John Wayne impersonation. He blows into town for a maximalist genre mashup that's also a maximalist musical that mashes up like a dozen rock and roll subgenres. It's almost all style. Very little substance. The substance that's there is like stupid high school boy level writing type shit. Yeah, some of it's gonna be pretty reprehensible. Like when he yeah. punches Dylan, but it's like fucking fun, which is the point. Like I don't, I don't, I don't know. It's made so earnestly that it's like the height of camp. You know what I mean? It's it didn't they didn't make it to be camp because they made it so earnestly. It's the best camp you'll ever see. It's like not a surprise cinematic gem like when you watch The Killer where it's like fuck this is a dope ass movie but this is I don't know this is what I wish my life resembles. I wish I could live. <laughs> I wish I lived in a 1980s version of a 1920s pulp comic. Yeah I just want to murder and kill and rampage and party and all that shit. You, so you want to be Willem Dafoe? No I want to kill Willem Dafoe in a um, pickaxe fight. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, there's some bad editing, some weird editing choices, of course. Uh, it does have, like, a really fluid, uh, good beat for, like, the three-act structure, but then the, the third act works pretty well until the build-up to the showdown. But then the extended fight scene, like I said, is hella lame. It should have been, like, an actual, like, Western gunfight. Like, they should have just had a quick little shootout. That's my opinion on violence in film, though, is I think it should be short and extreme, like, real life. I think it should be long, protracted, and as bloodless as possible. Nope. Just like a G.I. Joe cartoon. Long and protracted and very bloody if it's a torture scene, but otherwise... Whoa! whoa. Well, hello, Army Hammer. Hey, man, if you're going to depict torture, you better get it right. <laughs> waterboard someone, you better actually waterboard them. I don't think they're allowed to do that in a movie. I was some movie where they depicted waterboarding, they actually did end up waterboarding the actor to get the reaction right what was it um uh, road irish i think it was uh, yeah so um i mean if the actor's on board you fucking torture that bitch <laughs> <laughs> i feel like it's, it's one of those things you quite you probably don't really understand until you're in the middle of it though was there a safe word yeah man, or, fucking uh, pineapples duck. streets of fire fared poorly at the box office though grossly only 2.4 million that's the first why uh, you didn't see it on TBS every week, guys. Uh, it made $4.5 million after 10 days to compare with its fellow opener, Star Trek Three: The Search for Spock, which grossed $34.8 million in the same time. So That was a bad one. All Star Trek is bad. You don't like nothing. I fucking... I like City of Streets of Fire better than Star Trek Search for Spock's anus. You know, it's the difference between the USS Enterprise or... And you know what the toilet paper, toilet paper and <laughs> USS uh, Enterprise have in common? 
They both go searching around your anus for Klingons. Yeah, that's it. That's the joke. That's the one. <laughs> Ruined it. <laughs> yeah, that's the joke. That's the one right there. How about um, Ball Trek? And it's um, a futuristic society that is like on a microscopic scale. Instead of exploring the universe, they're exploring someone's balls. Mmm, the different hills and valleys of the testicle. Mm-hmm. It'd be like... um. What's that uh, movie, classic film where people get shrunk down and go inside the person? <laughs> Ant-Man. Yeah, Ant-Man. It'd be like that, but for balls. What about uh, Critters, but it's about balls? <laughs> <laughs> what? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you've lost the thread here. <laughs> what about Streets of Fire, but it's about... Um, it's about testicles. It's about balls. <laughs> yeah. The internet, internet's made you insane today. How come uh, Willem Dafoe's badass biker gang didn't have a bunch of guns on hand anyways? That was my question at the, the time. Also, why does everything explode when it's shot? That's real life. If you ever um, shot a propane tank, it explodes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, you know, Kyle, I, uh, I'm not going to say I'm the, an expert on motorcycles. I'm fairly certain they don't run on propane. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I got a propane-powered motorcycle. I just saw <laughs> install a new tank. In the world of uh, 1950-80-something. Yeah, in the world of 19... I just assume that everybody has grenade bullets. That's the only explanation that makes sense. Just really, really little grenades? Yeah, they're incendiary, incendiary rounds. Hey, you know, like, in uh, Vietnam, they're supposedly, like, captains were getting fragged by their own soldiers and stuff? Mm-hmm. How often do you think that happened? Oh, I don't know. I read an article about it once, and it, it was more often than you thought, but, you know, and obviously not, like, super widespread. It wasn't, like, an epidemic. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't, like, you know, one out of every two captains is shot in the face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, <laughs> I guess so. It was more like crazy. one out of every, like, five or six hundred or something like that. That's still pretty good, I guess. I guess, uh, how do you measure human suffering, you know? Yeah, well, you, yeah. Also, it's right. like, it's probably not your captain's fault. <laughs> yeah, that's, I guess it's, it, shit rolls downhill, right? But Yeah. Well, I mean, ah. technically, they're throwing the shit back uphill. They're just not making it to the top, you know? Yeah. <laughs> making about 10 feet. That's the problem with all that shit. One struggle. Like, you can wish people to understand. There's, there's one struggle. And that's the struggle to make sure that I'm king of the world. No. That's no. Us at the bottom versus the top. That's what I mean. I'm at the bottom, and they need to put me on top. I saw some um, uh, fighters in Rojava did a a cover of Going Home British Soldiers, but it was Going Home Turkish Soldiers after Mm -hmm. they uh, beat the shit out of the Turkish soldiers that tried to come into Rojava the other day. It was pretty good. Going home, Turkish soldiers, going home. Have you got no fucking homes of your own? It's badass. One struggle. Bitch. Is it? One struggle, bitch. Feels like a, it really feels like there's a bunch of w- weird dispersed struggles. And uh, all of the um, situation in Rojava, Palestine, Ireland. Yeah. So they, that's one struggle. One struggle right there. One struggle. <laughs> mm. No, it's not. No? I mean, they're similar, but. 
It's the, the whole point of you're not really fighting against. You know what I mean? I don't know. You're not technically fighting against the same thing. You kind of are, but oh, so you're just not aware that the one struggle is uh, the catchphrase that the uh, Palestinian PLL and the IRA came up to get together with, right? No, I'm familiar with it. I'm just. Oh arguing semantics at this point oh well it's just to to, to, to express unity uh some um oh, this is also going to be a trio trilogy of films with um uh well how did it go what were the other two like they didn't um make enough money right, so, so which when when are we, can we expect them to be revisited since we're bringing light to the, the subject uh you know i i could do it <laughs> I could be the one. The I, mean, one I mean, would they be direct sequels? Would you recast everybody? Or would they just no. Be well, the the they weren't even originally going to be direct Same sequels. Characters? Okay. Well, well it, Michael Pere was still going to be as Tom Cody, but it would be like oh, like a Mad Max situation. Yeah, the second one was even going to take place in the desert, so it would have been even more western or even more Mad Max. So you know, it would be a little Mad Max situation. Could have been pretty cool. So, uh, like, hey, Streets of Fire allegedly, allegedly put in air quotes because no one specifically come out and said it, but uh, Capcom allegedly inspired Capcom for a uh, great um, Final Fight, uh, which honestly, that's way cooler than making money at the box office. <laughs> that's that's a legacy that you can't beat. Um, and then absolutely, we do know for sure that Streets of Rage was inspired by Streets of Fire. The creator said that. I was thinking, especially there was no fucking kangaroo in this movie. That doesn't happen until Streets of Rage three when they needed more gimmicks. Even back then, video games had to have gimmicks. <laughs> uh, I was thinking, don't have to love that kangaroo. Oh yeah, man, Streets of Rage three is one of the best ones. I was thinking, especially with the idea of the second one taking place in the desert. Um, how like Fallout is just kind of a like oh what if uh, Mad Max but a video game you know I, I was and since this game movie inspired other video games I'm surprised there's not like a CRPG that was made at some point that basically stole this aesthetic and then I mean some of it did make it into Fallout obviously but um, I think it's just that like time frame wise it's hard it was hard to do kind of that city style gameplay or graphic wise until recently yeah. i'm sure cyberpunk yeah they probably still something with this game but you know or this movie but uh, they would have it was more popular hmm. they maybe. definitely stole from video games that stole from this movie yeah maybe someone should make a streets of fire rpg <laughs> no why <laughs> everything's derivative isn't it uh-huh that's how you make money uh, Martin Scorsese said so. <laughs> so thanks for the check, Netflix, the idiots. <laughs> Something like that. That's kind of what he said. Uh, there was an unofficial sequel called Road to Hell, uh, made in 2008, directed by someone named Albert Payan. And um, uh, Michael Perret did come back playing Tom Cody and Deborah Van Valkenburg also playing his sister again. I thought about trying to find this to watch but then i said i don't want to see deborah von valkenberg 
having to fifties. Well, not that. Just having to be in a shitty shit movie. <laughs> <laughs> She's been in shitty shit movies before, probably. Mm-hmm. But like, time. I just I want her to be forever immortalized in the Warriors and Streets of Fire. Yeah, 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 yeah. Fire, fire, fire. What's your favorite part of the movie? My favorite part of the movie is when um he shows up to the diner. And the, that like dorky like fifties gang shows up to try to cause trouble, and he beats them all up to re- and reveals that he's got uh, suspenders with no sleeves on. <laughs> I like that part too because he's like, "Yeah, I also I stole your car," because that's how it works in in nineteen fifty eighty something. That's how it works in Grand Theft Auto, the video game. You take someone's car, <laughs> and then the, the cops pull them over, and like, "Yep, that's his car, all right." <laughs> <laughs> Leaving makes a lot of. Uh, funny faces my actual i think my favorite scene is the introduction of, of mac and uh and her beating up pax our main character mr cody uh the actor he walks like he's about six foot eight like he looks like he's got a bad back and bad knees you know like a, he looks like a retired basketball player when he walks <laughs> but uh, he's I like think- is that just to make him look ominous and, ominous and, and threatening or something? I, don't, I mean, it's the way the dude walks. I don't know. I don't think he's like super tall or that old when they made this movie, but he looks I can't, like, he definitely was that old. He's like, he walks like I imagine fucking Abraham Lincoln walked. Four score and seven years ago, my hips worked. <laughs> yeah. So it didn't instill confidence. Like any of the wide shots where he's walking, I was like, I don't know if this guy's going to be able to beat Willem Dafoe. <laughs> Doesn't look like he can move right. Willem Dafoe's got a very wide uh, torso. Willem Dafoe is one of the strongest human beings to ever live. <laughs> you know why? I, I, I seriously doubt that. <laughs> you know why his trunk's so, so strong, don't you? It's all up his dick. <laughs> yeah. I knew you're going. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you mentioned, buddy. Yeah, you know his dick was uh, so big that Lars von Trier thought it would be ridiculous on screen, so they had to use a dick double in Antichrist. You told me this story 14 times yeah. on, on this podcast alone. Uh huh. And then there's a scene in Antichrist where um she uh, jacks Willem to fall off and he comes blood. <sighs> Have you ever watched Antichrist? No. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Something about Jack Lane blood. You know, that's usually a sign of like bladder cancer or something. There's problems. Well, no, it was, it was after she had beaten his dick with like a um, millstone. Uh-huh. So he, he had internal problems. <laughs> it wasn't just like a bladder infection. It was like his guts were messed up. <laughs> his balls and stuff, you know? Mm. His uh, vas deferens buses. <laughs> yeah. Bust yeah. wide open. She beat him, stomped a mud hole in his nuts. <laughs> There's one summer oh, where the, um, the one of you still listen to this. Uh, I hope you enjoy your eruption. There was one summer that um, Antichrist was on Netflix. I mean, it was on Netflix for like a year, but there was one summer where like I was single and like dating quite a bit, but like not really dating. It was like the kind of type of dating when you're like a 24 year old adult punk rocker who doesn't care about anything and you just party all the time. Mm-hmm. So meaning I would like meet girls at parties and um, get drunk and do drugs with them and make out and have sex and stuff and they'd hang out in my house. And they got in the habit of just like, you know, watching Antichrist with all of them. 
And then most of them didn't like it, but then one girl. was a shock. One girl and her friends were like, oh, shit, this is a dope-ass movie. And then I started dating that girl. So thank you, Lars von Because, <laughs> um, I mean, it's a good movie. It's, like, really good. <laughs> is it as good as Streets of Fire? It's better than Streets of Fire. I love Antichrist. But I also love The Killer. Chow Yun Fat. Did you watch that again recently? Is that why you mentioned it like the 14th time today? No, just because this, so far, this movie, Streets of Fire and The Killer, like, been the two standout, like, oh, shit. Ooh, these are better than I recall movies <laughs> that we've watched. Yeah, all the other ones are exactly as you remember them or worse. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, all the other ones are either, like, I chose them because I had watched them recently enough to be confident that they're going to be fun to watch or, yeah, they're just bad. <laughs> Next week, we're going to be watching a movie that um, I'm confident is a good movie. It's a classic Japanese film. It's not Tokyo Story, because that movie's way too old, but I'd love to watch Tokyo, Tokyo Story. We're going to watch Tom Popo. Tom Popo? Which is also kind of a Western of sorts, but it's about making ramen. Yeah, the most uh, Western of Westerns. It's legitimately a Western, so try to wrap your gaijin brain around the, how there could be a Western about making ramen. I refuse. Try to imagine it with your your gross imaginings and your butter stink. <laughs> I don't stink like butter. <laughs> I smell like milk. Milk. Milk, milk, lemonade. Around the corner, Jerry Seinfeld's made. Oh, God, no. Tampo po tampo po 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 he has a cool car in this movie. You don't get to drive any cool cars in Streets of Rage. One of these AAA companies should just make it a Streets of Rage remake where it's like this movie <laughs> Streets of Rage. <laughs> <laughs> like a more story-driven Streets of Rage. That's what the kids want. They don't want hyper uh, candy-coated beat-em-ups anymore. Need fucking transcendent prestige storytelling. No, no, no. Everything needs guest characters. Guest jeans? Yeah, exactly. Guest jeans. From the 90s, sir. <laughs> All the small things. That was also Chew from care. the 90s, sir. Mm-hmm. Chew Care and Chew Love Roses by those two. That song was in the 90s, huh? That was like 99. Yeah, yeah. No, it was before. Wasn't it 98? It was pretty close to the new, the millennium, yeah. That's your wife's favorite band. Yeah, they, they old. Ugh. They are, man. That's crazy how old they are because they're from, they started in like fucking early 90s. But that's like one of my favorite bands is Rancid. They started in fucking, technically, they started in the early 80s as Operation Ivy. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. Shit, dog. I was thinking about, um, we talked about before Blink 182 is kind of like one of the last like big punk bands. Mm-hmm. I was thinking, like, yeah, but they, a lot of argument could be made that they didn't really embody the punk spirit because they're mostly just talking about like life, their girl, girls and like lifestyle shit. Mm-hmm. But then I was thinking about Rancid being a contemporary Blink-182 and probably like my favorite punk band from that era. And um, that's all the kind of they sang about too. They <laughs> yeah, it wasn't all that different. <laughs> they were just talking about like the like poor street punk lifestyle. It's like getting drunk on the sidewalk and shit. <laughs> But uh, that's cooler though, because like Rancid were like um, like hoodlums that were also punks. You know what I mean? They're like Barry, a thugs, and punk. 
that's that's cooler than like southern california skaters i think more relatable <laughs> uh, yeah, i mean definitely i also don't know that any of the blink 182 guys can actually skate i don't think travis can i think the only thing travis can do is play drums oh, what, 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 what can he play them like even when he talks he has to pretend he's in the drums well tune in for more interesting musical insights Next time on VHS Cult when we watch Tempopo. Um, I don't know if there's going to be a lot of musical insights in that one. The soundtrack's pretty good. I don't know if we'll talk about punk in it. We're talking about Japanese punk. Yeah, I just don't know if it's uh, central to the movie as it was in this one. Like, I don't know if we're going to see a doo-wop group uh, in a bus at any point. No, probably not. For his, like, musical aesthetic or story elements there was in Streets of Fire, there wasn't actually a lot of music in it, you know, or performance-wise. You know, it's just the beginning and the end. Yeah, and honestly, it's more window dressing than anything. It's not necessarily important to the story at all. Yeah, but that opening song is fucking dope. So you can check that shit out on YouTube. I, I was thinking during the opening, too, that um, would try that shit. Try to kidnap a, a pop star uh, with all their fans watching and see how it goes. I could do it. Uh, yo, no, please go try to get out Taylor Swift. Um, you ever heard of uh, Giacomo Casanova? <laughs> it, won't, it won't be a daring uh, kidnapping. Casanova. I'm <laughs> daring public kidnapping like in this film. I'll just steal her heart. <laughs> it's more of a romantic though. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> sort of a, a Kevin Federline situation, if you will. A Russell Brand. No, Casanova. No, no, I'm making it gross. No, I mean, Russell Brand makes sense because he's on par with Katy Perry, honestly. Maybe not (laughs) fame-wise, but, like, um, in the the amount of coolness factor. (laughs) Kevin Fairline's a little bit weird. Maybe, but he was a really good dancer, to be honest. Like, women find that quite attractive. So you, you, gotta pick up, you gotta pick up some moves. I guess if I want to get Britney Spears, jam, pump it. Oh. Friday, she's dating like a rich Saudi guy, I think, right now. Why is every dish dating rich Saudi guys? Because they need girlfriends and they got money and they're fucking handsome. <laughs> <laughs> I'm fucking handsome. Yeah, but they've they're like rich guy handsome, you know. <laughs> you know, the only certain types of certain kinds of inbreeding and plastic surgery can get you. <laughs> uh, hashtag free Britney, though. Kind of seems um, shady, though. It's like Hulu had a documentary about Britney, about her struggles, right? Mm-hmm. And then now Netflix is going to have one too. Right. Doesn't that that still seems kind of exploitative of her struggles? <laughs> I they can I make the argument that they're doing it to get people to support Britney, but at the end of the day, I'm still just kind of like, but um, are you though? <laughs> 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 She's still I, just kind of exploiting her. Oh, well, that's neither here nor there. Uh, VHSCult.com, KVLT. Uh, we got another podcast. You can find both of them on there. That one's about regular shit or current events or I don't know. Yeah, whereas this one's about movies or something. <laughs> um, rate and review. Give us five stars. Tell your friends, your family, your Discord servers, and your servers at Applebee's about our podcast. Oh, yeah. Um, Applebee's is place to be. Remember when they used to have fucking... You could go there and get like... Um, they'd have like fucking half off 
app, apps and like cocktails, man, you get fucking blasted on Long Islands and onion rings. <laughs> I, I sure do. Uh, TGI Fridays just had that too. Um, I also remember Applebee's had like dollar like strawberry margaritas or some shit. Man, I remember one time I went to Applebee's. Uh, we, me and um, my friend, we, we decided to skip work and like we went to Applebee's at, like fucking 11. Got a fucking absolutely like bliss off of Long Islands, and then her and I went to like uh, the museum in Phoenix, and like I just remember being like straight up wasted with her, like chilling, like looking at paintings, like oof, man, fucking, this is the life, huh? <laughs> <laughs> at the museum at noon, fucking, <laughs> who knows where the day could go? But then it was like we, had we got a nap time. <laughs> yeah, we had to take a nap at like three. <laughs> That's where the day went, but you know, whatever. Fucking, I was yeah, how bohemian, huh? <laughs> <laughs> like, oh man, the good old days of drinking. I miss it. <laughs> I miss uh, just careening like fucking cliffside to cliffside every day. <laughs> Perilously close to ruining my life. Good times. Uh, to prevent that from happening again, please visit our website, donate to our <laughs> Patreon, tell other people about this podcast. Uh, otherwise, I'm going to start drinking again. <laughs>